This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Welcome to the program, Warning, with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, the founder and president of World Ministries International and Eagle Saving Nations. Today, we're visiting a message that was recorded March 25, 2006. And Dr. Hansen's associate pastor, Ty Goldstrom, shares the message. Today's title is Biblical Evangelism Using the Law of the Lord. Now, let's begin. Well, that sounds like a good time to start the Word of God. Praise the Lord. If you have your sword, let me see it. I want to see your sword. All right. I see some swords out there. Praise the Lord. So if you could turn into your Bible to Psalm chapter 19. Psalm 19. One of the things that has amazed me, I've been a Christian now for, wow, has it been? It's been about 10 years, 10 or 11 years, is I keep up a little bit with uh, George Barna. Has anyone ever heard of George Barna? I think George Bonner provides a pretty useful resource to the kingdom of God. He does a lot, of, a lot of talking with people, a lot of talking with church leaders, a lot of talking with Christians. He looks at some of the dynamics what the church has done and is currently doing. And one of the things that's a glaring statistic is, is that when we look over the last decade or two of Christianity in America, is that we see that we have lots of times where people accept Christ or make a profession for Christ but we find that the church overall is not growing. And that should, make it, that should be very concerning for us as Christians. Uh, when we present the gospel, whether it's presented one-on-one, maybe it's someone that you present the gospel to at work or at school, or whether it's presented in a church or a crusade, from a large crusade like Billy Graham's to small crusades that happen throughout the land, one thing is for sure. When we look at the church as a whole, over the last several decades, the church is not growing. Yet we see thousands and thousands and thousands of professions for Christ. I saw one statistic, I can't remember the denomination, that said that they were able to account for several hundred thousand professions to Jesus Christ over a 10-year period. But when they looked back at those names and tried to find them, they only found like 19,000 of several hundred thousand that have professed for Christ. That should be concerning for us, shouldn't it? As Christians. That people are assumed to have received Christ. Now obviously we don't know what's happened to those people. We know that probably some of them, by the word of God, we could talk about, they probably may perhaps received at a time, but for whatever reason, the root wasn't deep and the, the 
The things of this world, the concerns of this world, might have robbed, killed, or destroyed that seed. But one thing that I think is prevalent in America today is a gospel that is not truly the gospel. And if you promote the gospel in such a way that is not truly the gospel, and people in that response accept Christ, have they really accepted Jesus Christ? That's the thing we got to ask ourselves. If you preach another gospel, and a person says, okay, I receive the Lord Jesus Christ, and goes to the sinner's prayer, we got to ask ourselves, is that truly, are they truly responding to the gospel? Because Paul warned and basically says to be weary of anyone who preaches the gospel apart from the gospel that you have heard. So that tells us that in every time, in every period, including now, there are gospels that are being preached that are not necessarily the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm just wondering, I'm just speculating, is it possible in America today that many people in many churches are preaching a gospel that is not truly the gospel of Jesus Christ? Now what do you mean by that? Well, I mean is that Many times when we preach the gospel to people, and I found myself just as guilty of this, is a lot of times we tell people, we say, you need Jesus Christ. If you accept Jesus Christ into your life, you'll be filled with love and peace and joy and all these good things. But I'm wondering, is that a biblical preaching of the gospel? If you will just receive Christ, your ride on this earth will be a little better. That is a common gospel that is preached today. We basically say, Jesus is the cure, but we never tell them the disease. Isn't that true? And I'm just wondering. I, you know, I can think about this because you know, I work in medicine. I'm just wondering if a patient came in, and they came into my office, and I don't even know why they're coming into the office, but as soon as I see them, I say, here's the cure, take this, and your ride will be a little bit better. Would they not be a little bit confused by that presentation? Well, they're going to trust me at face value because they came to me. Hey, I don't, I don't need to hear what your complaints is. I don't need to know what your symptoms are. I don't even need to do any tests. I already know what your disease is. Here, just take this pill and you will be better and you will have a good life. But I'm wondering if that's not the gospel that may be preached in America. Not by everybody, for sure. But I'm talking generically. The theme of the gospel that's been preached in America through these last couple decades is put on the Lord Jesus Christ and your ride will be a little bit better. The problem with that gospel is what happens when life doesn't get a little bit better? What happens when there's persecution? Because the Lord promised you that you will have persecutions and testings and trials and hard times. When you accept the Lord Jesus Christ, you're in into a battle. We studied that a couple weeks ago in our life lesson in Ephesians chapter 6. That we are truly in a battle. And there is devil, there's a devil out there and his cohorts of demons that want to come after you and do everything you can to destroy you. Now we have the assurance in Jesus Christ that the, we have the weapons of our warfare that are not carnal, but they are mighty, huh? Amen. And he does give us everything we need for successful living. But if you have received the Lord Jesus Christ just to ride a little bit better, I'm just wondering what happens when persecution comes your way. There's a, an evangelist ministry. I believe it's called Living Waters Ministry. Everyone heard of that? Living Waters Ministry? You've heard it? I don't know where it's at. I want to say it's in California. California? 
And, and I, I listened to a couple of the, of the teachings, and I think they're really good. He tells the story of a, of a person in a plane. And, and Pastor EJ and, and Sister Tricia could, could, I think, will relate to this really well. If, you, if the stewardess, let's say Tricia as a stewardess, if she goes up to a person on the plane, and she just gives them a, back, or a parachute and says, here, put on this backpack, your ride will be a little bit better. They might say, okay, and they might put it on and try it out, right? I mean, it came from the stewardess. I mean, she's, one of the, she's an authority figure on that plane, right? She's, in some ways, a representation of the captain, right? The captain gives orders, and many times it's the stewardess that, that would carry it out. So they say, okay, I'll try that on. But then they're sitting in their seat, and man, that thing's uncomfortable. I mean, can you, it's hard enough to sit in the seat, Pastor Tom, without a parachute strapped to your back. Amen? I mean, I, I've seen Pastor Tom on planes. It's something like this. Amen? It's hard enough. That, the worst part about mission trips for me is riding on the plane. The, the culture shot, that's not a problem. Eating the food, not a problem. It's riding on the plane because I don't get no sleep. I can't sleep. And so here, can you imagine, we take Pastor Tom and, and, and we just go, put on this parachute, your trip will be a little bit better. And he straps this thing on and, he's, and all of a sudden he's just more uncomfortable. He can't even sit back. He's like this the whole trip. And then he looks and he notices people around him are ridiculing him. They're laughing at him. And he, all of a sudden, he's, now he's feeling kind of insecure. He's the only one on this thing that's wearing a backpack. And all, you know, everyone's just kind of talking about him and kind of pointing over him and laughing at him. And he's uncomfortable. You know what he's going to do in that position? He's going to stand up under that person. He's going to toss that thing out. If this thing hasn't helped me, he might try it for an hour or two. It hasn't helped me. It hasn't made my ride any better. I'm uncomfortable. People are mocking me. I'm taking this thing off. And is that how we do with the gospel sometimes? We give them a gospel say, put on this Lord Jesus Christ. Put on him. He'll give you love, peace, joy, goodness, and all this thing. That's that, oh, that sounds pretty good, amen? Who wants a little more love, peace, joy, and goodness in their life? Amen. I'm going to put that thing on. I'm going to put that parachute on. But after a season, they're uncomfortable. Some people are ridiculing and mocking them. They're like, this thing isn't helping me. I'm tossing this thing off. And he tells the story. I think it's... Uh, What's his name? Ray Comfort? Ray Comfort. He tells the story of, but if Tricia was to go up to that person and say, and whisper in his ear and say, Tom, just want to let you know, there's a good chance that this plane is going to go down. This plane's going down. I think that you'll find the rest of your ride and possibly the end of the trip much more comfortable if you put on this parachute. Pastor Tom is going to put that parachute on quick. And you know what? If he's like this in his seat, he's still got a smile on his face. Why? Because he knows this ride's going down, right? He, he, people can laugh at him, right? This, I think he tells in the story, he says, the stewardess could be carrying some hot, hot, hot cup of coffee and trip and spill it all over him. Ow, it would hurt, be painful. But he's not going to take that parachute off and say, man, this thing doesn't work. That stewardess just poured coffee on me. He's going to be uncomfortable. He doesn't really care so much about people are mocking him. He's, he's been told by an authority, this thing's going down. And he's feeling pretty good about the parachute. He's willing to put up with the ridicule. He's willing to put up with the uncomfortableness because he knows this thing's going to save him. Right. And my, 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 the thought, and the thought of the message that I heard is that the way that we approach people with the gospel is imperative to them receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? We cannot give them the cure for a disease that they do not know that they have. 
But that's what we do so often. I've been guilty of it myself. Is trying to promote Christ. Here, just put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Just strap them on like a backpack and life will be good for you. And they try it out for a time. And if we present this at a crusade and we present a false gospel and try to give them the cure of a disease that the Spirit of God does not have access to tell them what they have, you can have every person in that crusade come forward and receive the Lord Jesus Christ. But have they received the Lord Jesus Christ? And I'm just wondering, in America, if we have not preached a false gospel to such an extent that that's why we don't see the church growing. If you don't truly receive the Lord Jesus Christ, then you're not going to be hanging around. As soon as people start mocking you, the uncomfortableness of of interest, you're not going to stay around. Psalm chapter 19, verse number 7 says this. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Did you hear that? The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. When you think about that, it's a little bit confusing. I think, how is the law of the Lord converting the soul? But then when you jump into Galatians, you start to understand what he means by that. See, the law of the Lord was for a purpose. And if the law of the Lord is used for the purpose that God gave it, then it is truly the pathway of converting the soul. And so if the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul, then wouldn't it make sense that if you don't present the law of the Lord, you're not going to convert the soul? What is the purpose of the law? Amen. The law of the Lord is perfect because who does it bring us to? It brings us to a a revelation of ourselves, doesn't it? The law is made for who? Lawbreakers. If you had no lawbreakers, why would you make a law? If you knew dogmatically that absolutely no one on this planet would ever speed, would you put up speed limits? Would you need a law if you had the assurance that no one would break that law? No. The reason that we have law is because we are sinners and we are lawbreakers. I have law in my house because I know I have sinners in my house. Anyone else have some of the sinners in those house? <laughs> the law is for the law, the lawless. We are the lawless. Can you imagine a society that had no law? Do you know what that equals? Chaos. And I tell you what, that city will not last long because it'll just kill each other. It wouldn't last long. You cut me off, I kill you. You looked at my wife wrong, I kill you. Right? There wouldn't be a city there after just a couple, couple months. It wouldn't be a city. It'd be chaos. The law is made for the lawless. And so if the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul then I believe you can never present Christ without presenting the law. Because the law is the mirror that lets the person see themselves from the position of Jesus Christ, from the position of God and His perfect law. Because you cannot separate the law of God from God. When you look at the law of God, why is it perfect? Because God gave it. 
God cannot give anything that is not of himself that is perfect. So when you look at the law of God, you're really looking at the character and the nature of God. It's perfect, converting the soul. Now let's turn into our Bibles to Galatians chapter 3. My purpose in speaking about this topic is really onefold. It is really about a revelation so that we can know how to present Jesus Christ to people. What is the biblical way? What is the biblical fact? What is the revelation that God has given in His Word to present Jesus Christ? And we know, I think overall, by looking at what the church has done in America, that how the church generically has done it in America has not sufficed. It has been a gospel that is not truly the gospel of Jesus Christ. People have not truly been faced with who they are apart from Christ. They have been given the cure, quote-unquote, but never faced with their disease. It says in Galatians chapter 3, I'm going to start in verse 10. It says, All who rely on observing the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly no one is justified by God or before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, the man who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Amen? So we studied this a little bit last week in our life lesson. We talked about the attitude of Jesus Christ out of Philippians chapter 2. That Paul basically is exhorting us, if we reside in Christ, if we live by His Spirit and are comforted by His love, that we should have the attitude of Jesus Christ. And the study was focused in on the external things that Christ did that show the inwardness of His attitude, which is all about laying down His life for another. And that Philippians 2 passage, for those who weren't part of the life group last week, is all about that Jesus Christ humbled Himself. Jesus Christ came and he was found in likeness of man. The God who created man came and found himself in the likeness of man, knowing that the very creation that he made would kill him. He went from the heights of splendor in heaven with all the adoration of the angels sitting at the right hand of God to being found in a manger, living a life of poverty and being crucified on the cross. He went from the very heights to the very lows. The Scripture declares in Deuteronomy chapter 23, also in Galatians 3, that cursed is anyone who is hung on a tree, and Jesus Christ volunteered for you and for me to be a curse for you. Hallelujah. That is the gospel. That is the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, the purpose of the law is not to save you. The purpose of the law is to be a reflection of the attributes of God reflecting and contrasting to the attributes of your own heart. That is the purpose of the law. Jump down to verse number 19, chapter 3 of Galatians. Paul here answers, he says, What then was the purpose of the law? It was added because of transgressions until the seed, Jesus Christ, to whom the promise referred had come. The law was put into effect through angels by a mediator 
A mediator, however, does not represent just one party, but God is one. Is the law, therefore, opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But the Scripture declares that the whole world is a prisoner of sin. Did you catch that? The whole world. Every single person. That is the diagnosis. Is every single person is in bondage and is a prisoner to sin. So that what was promised being given through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Verse 23 says, Before this faith came, we were all held prisoners by the law, locked up until faith should be revealed. So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ. I think the King James Version says that the law was a schoolmaster. It was an instructor. It was guarding us until the time that Jesus Christ would be revealed. And in faith, we could recognize that the law of Christ was perfectly fulfilled in the Lord. And He became a curse for you so that you wouldn't be cursed. Amen? And so when we present the gospel to people... We must present the law of God because the law of God is perfect converting the soul. You see, you can never sell, you can never promote, you can never give the diagnosis and the cure of Jesus Christ if a person doesn't see who they are. Now the perfect understanding of the law, if you want to come down to just ten little facts, is what we call the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. And when you match your life up with the Ten Commandments, do you see very quickly that you fall short? Yeah? When the question is asked, have you ever lied? How many here would raise their hand and say, no, Pastor Ty, I've never lied in my life. Ever. Never lied. And so if we've lied, that makes us what? Liars. We are liars. Now I'll speak for myself on this next one. Have we ever committed adultery? Well, we know by the Word of God that we're not just talking about the act, are we? Matthew chapter 6 tells us very clearly that it's not so much about the externals of our life, it's really about our heart condition. And I'll tell you very clearly that many times I have lusted after a woman that I ought not lust after. In my heart, I have committed adultery. And I think, I'll speak for every man in here at least, every man in here is guilty too. Amen? I'll let the women decide for themselves. (laughs) But I know every man in here is guilty. What does that make me? What does that make me? Huh? Lawbreaker. More specifically, I'm an adulterer. So I'm a liar and I'm an adulterer. In the sermon that I heard by Pastor Comfort, it showed a clip of him out on the streets. And I liked it because one person, he, he was just basically preaching on the streets and he'd have 50, 100, 200 people around him listening to him. And he'd have one person that was willing to come up and, inter- and have an exchange with him. And he'd go through this thing and he'd say, I, I, have you ever lied? Yeah. What does that make you? Uh, they'd say a sinner. And he'd always say, no, no, no. What does that make you? I'm a liar. Okay? And then he'd go on to the next one, which would be the adulterer one. And one person said, uh, 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 I don't think I've ever, ever, he was a man, I don't think I've ever looked lustily at a lady. And it was so funny. He looked at her and he says, you've already, you've already told me you're a liar. So how can I possibly believe you? And after that, he says, are you sure you've never looked at a woman less... Okay, I've looked at a woman lessfully. <laughs> and so he goes through this thing, and he goes through four or five of the laws. 
Have you ever taken the Lord's name in vain? At any time in your life, have you used the name of the Lord in a way that does not glorify the Lord? Just about all of us at some point in our lives have done that. What does that make us? A blasphemer. And so you can ask a person three or four questions over about 15 seconds, and you can find some very peculiar things about them, that they are a liar, an adulterer, and a blasphemer of God. And if you can choose how far you want to go down, but we're guilty of all ten. Have you ever coveted anything of your neighbors? How many people are innocent of that one? And so just in a few seconds, we find out that we are a a lying, adulterous, blasphemer of God and covetous at heart. It doesn't take very much time to go through that, does it? How many people have made a a graven image for themselves? Amen? Amen? What is that graven image? Well, I think it's resurrecting in your mind a God apart from Jesus Christ. You might call Him Jesus Christ, but if it's putting on the Lord Jesus Christ for comfort and love and peace, but never wanting to deal with your sin, that is a graven image. You have put up a false concept of God. And one of the things that you'll find throughout America when you talk to people is they'll say, yeah, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But then you talk to them about sin, you talk to them about hell and judgment, they'll say, no, I don't believe Jesus would ever send me to hell. Isn't that true? Yeah. I mean, you guys, have you guys ever experienced that when you're just sharing the Lord? People's concept in America is they're willing to accept that Jesus Christ is God, many of them, but they're not willing to accept that Jesus Christ would ever send a man or a woman to hell. Is that true? That is, in my experience, very true. Now, that's obviously not scriptural, is it? And it doesn't make sense either. If I was, if I was guilty of raping a lady, and I got caught, and I was put before a court system, and all the witnesses, it was just obvious, I am guilty of this sin. I am guilty of rape. For me to stand up and say, you're right, I am guilty to the judge. But judge, you are such a good person. You're such a compassionate judge. I ask that you would please excuse me from the judgments of my sins. What would that judge say? That judge would say, yes, you're right, I am a good man. But because I am a good man, I must judge you for that sin. I must give you the guilty plea. You must Serve a sentence for that sin. I mean, how many people here would like their daughter, if you have a daughter, to be raped, and everything is guilty? The guy professes he's guilty, but he's able to say to the judge, judge, you are a good judge and compassionate and a loving judge. Surely you'll let me get off. And the judge says, you're right. I am compassionate and loving, and I, you can be off. How would you feel about that? How would you feel about that in a court of law? Yeah? But this is the concept of the Jesus Christ that's out there in the community. This is what many people in America believe, that Jesus Christ, okay, I'm only accept that he's God, son of God, died for our sins, but I can pretty much live however I want because that God would never send me to hell. Yeah? Isn't that true? That is the concept that is out there. And so the purpose of the law is to convert the soul. And so when we preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have got to bring a reflection of the character of God and recognize how they match up in their character because the cross makes no sense apart from that. 
What did Jesus die for? He became a curse on a stick for me? What do you mean? If you don't present them as guilty, that they are a lying, adulterous, covetous, blasphemer of God. And if God was to judge them by that standard, would they be innocent or would they be guilty? These are questions you ask them. If God judged you by this standard, would you be innocent or guilty before God? They've got to be able to say, I would be guilty before God based on that standard. And then when they say that, you have to say to them, and then the, the Bible says that for those who reject the Lord Jesus Christ and are guilty of these sins, it is eternal separation in hell. Yeah? And then at that point where the people have seen themselves in the light of the law of God, which is the purpose of God, then the cross makes sense. That Jesus Christ became a curse for them. That Jesus Christ took your leaven, your sin, your iniquity, your lies, your adulterous thoughts, your covetousness, your words and heartfelt blasphemy of God. He has taken that upon himself and became a curse for you. He fulfilled the law perfectly in himself and died for you so you could be called innocent of your trespasses. And it was a revelation to me that as a church, this is how we have to represent Jesus Christ. We have to bring them to an end of themselves. They have to be able to look at their lives and their heart and say, yes, I am guilty. I have to be known that the disease is true, that I truly have a terminal illness before Christ. To know that if I was to die right now, that I would be eternally separated. That is the only grounds and foundation that you can put on the Lord Jesus Christ in a biblical fashion. And so when it's so simple. When we present the gospel to people, all you do is you start out with the Ten Commandments. Start out by talking about the law of God, which is perfect, converting the sinner. If a person is not willing to, to answer honestly that they're a liar, an adulterer, full of covetousness, they're not, they're not ready to hear the gospel. Amen? If you present the law to a person and they're so deceived or so arrogant that they don't even want to acknowledge what is so plain and evident, then you need not go any further. They do not want to hear the gospel. Why? Because the gospel, apart from recognition of who they are by the law of God, is foolishness, the scripture says. It is foolishness to them. If, you, if they're not willing to come down to the point of saying who they are apart from Jesus Christ, then you do not need to present Jesus Christ and the relationship of Jesus Christ because they won't even acknowledge the disease. When people come into the clinic, I can tell them all I want that I have all the evidence that they're an alcoholic or all the evidence that I need that they have this disease or this disease. But if they're not willing to accept that, I had one lady that came in and she's comes in oh, about once every year just to hear the story. But every year she comes in and every test it says that she has diabetes. Her blood sugars are usually two to three hundred. Every test shows that she has diabetes, but she will not believe the diagnosis. She will not accept the diagnosis. So can you imagine me trying to give her treatment for that? Can you imagine her reaction when I said, uh, you have diabetes. I know you don't believe me, but here's the prescription, and this will help control your diabetes. She would never receive 
for something she will not recognize. But I believe in many ways this is how we promote Jesus Christ. We want them to put on the Lord Jesus Christ because their flight, their ride in life will be just a little bit better without convincing them of who they are and who we are. And I believe as a church, if the church would rise up and truly preach the gospel, that we truly are children of hell apart from Jesus Christ, that our hearts are deceivably wicked, and we are guilty profoundly of every one of the Ten Commandments. The wonderful thing about the Ten Commandments, why is it the Ten Commandments? Because every one of your sins, in some way or fashion, can become under one of those Ten Commandments. And so isn't that just a practical way of presenting the gospel? Everyone's sin can come under one of those commandments. And so I encourage you to try in your workplace, in your school, to present people before the law before you present them to Christ. Because it's only good news if there's bad news before it. Amen? If they think they're in a good position apart from Jesus Christ, you're telling them to put on a good news and they already have a good news. You have to convince them by the law of God. It says of Paul when he went into places that he would convince people and debate for them from the law of God. Why? Because the law of God convinces you that you are a sinner, that you are damned, that you are separated by your iniquities. And when you have a foundation of that, then you can present the cure, the good news of Jesus Christ. I believe that the church would truly preach that gospel, we would have true conversions. We wouldn't be messing around with people just strapping on the backpack for the better ride. Why? They'd never strap it on. I would rather have 10 legitimate conversions than 100 people and 99 of them are not true conversions. Right? How do you do that? You present the real gospel. If they're not willing to come to that point of acknowledging who they are before Jesus Christ, then you need not go any further. They are too self-arrogant and deceptive. They do not want to hear it. Their heart is not ripe at this point. And all you can do is say, I, I just leave it to the Lord. But they're not at a place. They're not a, they don't have a heart that's fertile. They don't have a heart that's receptive to the gospel. They don't have a heart that's receptive to the cure. But if we as a church, as you as an individual would present Christ in such a way, I tell you what, you're going to see things happen as you preach the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Use a gospel track, whatever you got to do. Maybe a little track that just says the Ten Commandments. And say, hey, I want to give this to you as a blessing. They'll say, oh, the Ten Commandments. And you say, why don't you read one of those for me? It doesn't matter which one they read, right? We all, we all know they're all guilty. Just have them read it for you. They'll say they pick whatever, murder. You shall not murder. But what's the Bible say? The Bible says if you hold anger against your brother, then you have a spirit of murder in you. You ask that person, have you ever been angry and vindictive, bitter against the person? Of course we have. The Bible says you're guilty of murder. What does that make you? Murder. And I tell you what. If they want to keep going in that vein, then you have the perfect avenue to present Jesus Christ. That is the foundation for presenting Christ. If you have not gone through that, you have no biblical foundation to present the Lord Jesus Christ. 
You don't have it. Because anything less than that is strapping on a backpack because your ride will be a little bit better. Your parachute will be a little bit better. You know what I'm saying? We have got to present the gospel. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. How? When it's used correctly to bring the person to the end of themselves. Because it's only at that point where you put yourself at the end of yourself that you can put on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is not a blessing to you unless you first see that he was a curse for you. Amen? Amen. And I believe this is one of the main reasons why the church in America has not grown. It's the old watered-down gospel. We water it down and make it easy for people just to strap on the parachute backpack. But as soon as any persecution comes, they're like, this thing has not helped me. I'm throwing it away. But if a person, you know, Dr. Mike, your testimony, God made a revelation to your heart of that you were a sinner. God flashed his law in front of you. And you saw your life in contrast to the law of God. And you recognize that you are eternally damned apart from Jesus Christ. That is why you're one of the reasons, the foundation for a successful life in Christ. Because the foundation was built on a biblical foundation. Amen? Let us go about that gospel of sharing the good news, starting with the law of God. Bringing people to a revelation of who they are. Amen? I believe that this is something that needs to to sweep our church and our nation. I believe that every person that gets up before people in a crusade or in a church that are trying to go after the heart of sinners, we have got to bring the revelation of the law. Amen? Praise the Lord. Amen. If you need anything to help you stimulate conversation about the law of the Lord. There are so many things out there. There are so many ministries that have tracks and other things that help you present the gospel, help you present the law of the Lord as the first place of going. If you need any contact to that, I have several websites that I have saved on my, on my computer that do just that. Tracks that stimulate a person to see themselves in the light of God's law so they can see the good news in Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's preach the gospel, the real gospel, the book. This is the one. This is the book, the biblical foundation. Every time Jesus spoke to people, he didn't say, just put me on for a little more peace, love, and goodness in your life. Right? He always brought revelation of a sin. Remember his interaction with the lady at the, at the well? He brought a revelation of her sin to her. Remember that? He prophesied over her life that she didn't have just one husband, but how many? Five husbands. He was presenting the law of God before her to expose her trespass so he could present himself as the good news. When he met the lady that was caught in adultery, the law was glaring over her life. She knew she was guilty. Amen? She already knew it, and Christ already knew it. Christ didn't have to convince her of her guilt. Christ didn't have to tell her about the Ten Commandments. She knew she was guilty, and she was ready to be stoned to death. The law had been presented to her and forced upon her, and Jesus came and says, you are guilty, but I have forgiven you. Go and sin no more. Praise the Lord. This is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the gospel that I encourage you in your workplace, whether you're in school, to preach. 
That is the biblical foundation. And when I heard that, it seems so common sense, doesn't it? But the bottom line is we don't do it very well. I don't do it very well. But we need to be able to speak in such a way that people truly see the diagnosis so they can take the cure of Christ. Amen? Amen. Pastor Hanson, would you come and I'm going to have him close the service. Well, I believe we are all guilty of being lawbreakers and we all need Jesus Christ. Amen? I believe it with all my heart. Let's stand. We've got plenty time and we can let the Lord reveal to us different areas that we are violating his standards. We can make it right with God. I know we did a couple television programs last week and I believe one reason why many, many Christians don't get their prayers answered is because they violate the scriptures and they don't repent. We actually did it on Dr. Sedler's book and you know, a, a gossiper, a murmurer, a whisperer, a backbiter, a tail bearer. God lists them as a murderer, the same set of scriptures. I believe you can pray for blessing and healing and prosperity. It'll never happen. But you go on to be with the Lord faster, or you go somewhere faster. But I believe much of the church never gets their healing, their deliverance, their salvation, or their prosperity because they constantly violate the scriptures. And without repentance, there is no healing. There is no prosperity. There's not even forgiveness of sin. So we need to take it most seriously. I believe with all my heart what Pastor Tice said. The church is not growing because the gospel is not being preached. In fact, the number one reason people leave churches to go to another church is in that church the gospel is being preached. That's what the statistics show. The number one reason people leave church is they don't like the truth. They don't like discipleship, correction, accountability, and they go somewhere where they can avoid it all. That's in the same statistics. Isn't that a shame? It's a shame. Now here is my friend, Scott Farah, and he's going to help you with your business. Scott? Jesus teaches us that we should never do anything without making a plan first. Most small business owners fail to follow this biblical principle and do not have a written plan for where they want to be in one year, three years, five years. Yet every large business has a written plan. Many who wish to start their own businesses do not develop a plan first. This is one of the major reasons that 80% of all small businesses fail within the first five years. God worked through me to develop a unique educational program for business people. Quite frankly, this program has changed people's lives. If you currently own a business or if you're thinking about going into business for yourself, you need the independence program. Visit our website, independenceprogram.training, and if you choose to purchase this unique educational program, Make sure that you use promo code WMI. It will give you a 5% discount. So if what you have just heard resonates with you, and if you care and you want to be an unsung hero 
I implore you, please take a few seconds to call us today and leave a message with a short prayer for us because we need to know that you are with us and care enough to be part of the spark with us so that together we can move God to send a great awakening that can reverse the inevitability of God's coming judgment according to what God spoke in Jeremiah 18, 7, and 8. We believe that if you joined hands with us, together we can save America from certain catastrophic judgment. So call now, okay? Dial 360-629-5248 and say a short prayer for us in your message and leave your phone number too, okay? So one more time, 360-629-5248. Thank you and God bless. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.